Being a Better Man, Episode 5. You have just entered a world governed by personal accountability where being a man is not an excuse for bad behavior, where complaints are not allowed, whining is forbidden, and excuses do not exist. Join us as we focus on the actual character of men rather than merely the trappings of manhood, where we discuss getting the best out of yourself instead of trying to get the better of someone else. We have one singular mission, being a better man today than we were yesterday. Now prepare to have your thoughts provoked, your ego challenged, and your character tested. It's time for for being a better man. Here's your host and fellow man in the trenches, Alf Herrickstad. Hey everybody, welcome back to Being a Better Man. I'm your host, Alf Herrickstad, and today is a very special episode because it's our very first interview with a guest. And I've got a special guest lined up. I've known him for about 33 years. He's a, a father and a good man that I've had the privilege of knowing. He's actually my son, Clinton Herigstad. Hello, Clinton. Hey, Dad. How's it going? <laughs> Doing good. You know, I I kind of wanted to have you as my first interview, not just because I know you, but you're kind of like the living example of my philosophy because I raised you. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I that makes sense. <laughs> so I'm I'm really happy to have you here. Clinton lives in in Michigan. I live in Washington, so I don't get to we don't get to see each other that often nowadays. But yeah, it's ten thirty over here <laughs> on the Eastern time. <laughs> yeah, the the time difference is a a hassle with with hooking up sometimes. But it's great to have you here, and we're gonna we're gonna learn Good a to be little. Here. Thank you. So why don't you? I already know you, but why don't you, for the sake of the audience, give us a little rundown on uh, on your life and what brought you to this point in your walk of manhood? All right. Well, I was born in Tacoma, Washington, and uh, lived next to my grandparents on a stretch of land that has had my family on it since I was alive, so it's kind of like the Herigstad Street, and uh, I lived with my immediate family, including you and my mom and my two sisters, and around uh, third grade, you two separated, and at the time, it was, it was, it was a tough time, but, uh, but later on, I did realize that, you know, some people just don't really mesh very well, so that that kind of happens, and that's just life. And and that's actually kind of a big part of being a good man and and being a good person, I guess. Uh, that realizing when a relationship is is good and when it's bad and when it's beneficial for you know who it's beneficial for and 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 subjectively deep down who it's not beneficial for and, and kind of weighing out those odds or not the odds but the uh the pros and cons i guess so that well and, and you had the benefit of not just me but my dad and my brother also <clears throat> yeah so uh my uh grandmother and, and grandfather lived next door so they were always there uh anytime there was any any additional advice needed they were always there and uh and then uncle bart was always around 
very close family oriented life growing up happy a happy life so there was just you know there there was the period of time where it was a little little turmoil but it was a good learning experience i think for uh just the realities of life well and we admittedly are pretty fortunate um i had my dad you have me there's a lot of folks in our audience who, you know, just a lot of men today growing up without the benefit of having their father around right. or any other male role model. So I try to keep that in mind as, as I'm doing these podcasts because that's probably nowadays the majority of men. Right. Well, if the two of you had split up and then I was just with my mom, I feel like it would have been a different situation because I was she was living on your parents' property surrounded by your family which uh and her family lived in texas so they were very far away having a good family still there definitely accounts for a lot of things i would say yeah it's huge i think the outcome of your life would have been totally different and then i got custody of you guys about Mm -hmm. three years after the divorce and um, i think that made a huge difference as well and now you are a dad aren't you yep i uh i had a daughter at when i was 19 years old that was uh definitely earlier than i had planned yeah that was good uh, thinking but, but yeah um it it did make me grow up faster than i probably would have you know there's a lot of the the term failure to launch comes up a lot when talking about men that don't that are late bloomers or that never bloom to never and, leave uh, their mom's basement. Right. Or, yeah. And uh, that that does seem to be much more prevalent in the current day and age, whether it be the you know percentage of the population or or what whatever it is. But so I had my daughter at nineteen, and uh, Sheena. She's she's now fourteen years old, and so that does seem like a real long time ago, which it is. Well, I'm I'm gonna. <laughs> make a point right here in that there's some evidence here of how we as men affect our children because you were born two days after my 20th birthday. I was in a little different situation. I was in the army and whatnot, but uh, your whole life, I, I told you, look, don't do what I did. Get yourself established first, you know, get a career <laughs> going and then have kids. But what did you do? You did the same thing I did. Right. And, and it's like, that just kind of happens. You see that playing out a lot in that kids will emulate their parents without even really meaning so the thing or or even trying not to and and then still ending (laughs) up doing so the things we do really matter uh more than we more than we realize i think so you have sheena or so she's yeah i had sheena she's She's 14 14 now now. and you have back in 2001 i had her and i have solve who is five uh and really, really great daughters. Um, well, I don't know if you mentioned you are no longer with the mother of the first child. Right. No, no, we kind of cut ahead yeah. in the, the cr- chronology of the whole story. But So, yeah, so, I mean, she, my oldest daughter is 14, my youngest daughter is 5, so there's a bit of a gap there. Uh, not how I would have done that either because, you know, kind of stretches out your, your uh, parenting you know, time frame. So uh, when I was, uh, I got a con- job in construction, and uh, and I think I was, I was also uh, not in a good relationship in my first, uh, my first try. 
And it took me a long time to realize that. And I think that's something a lot of people do. And it's easy for your life to kind of slip away as you try to figure things out. But we have, we did eventually separate. And at, when that happened, I wanted it to happen. And then, you know, you think after it happens, then you're like, well, I don't think I wanted that to happen. So I kind of fell into a depression for a while there and just kind of... You know, party, hang out, friends, and, and but all the time being depressed to kind of almost a debilitating level. You were kind of circling the drain for a little for a little while there, and I was worried about you. But I I think part of the reason why you were so depressed as somebody who was looking at it from the outside was you your family, you know, your little young family that you started was broke up. You didn't have access to your daughter. And and that's tough, you know. And when I was nine, and 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 you and my mom separated, I I said I would never do that. I'd <laughs> never let that. That was a huge reason why it took me so long to realize that I needed to just stop trying with that one, yeah, with that relationship. And uh, eventually, I ended up finding my my current wife and the mother of my uh, youngest child, Lindsay. She was also in a bad relationship when I first met her uh, before we got together. I think her just befriending me at, as a co-worker, because we met at, at work, helped both of us realize our compatibility. And then once that happened, she realized she was in a bad relationship and that she was basically wasting her life and time on something that was toxic. And that's kind of that huge aha moment. For people, I think when uh, they realize how much energy and time they've wasted, and and how they need to to change, and a lot of people don't ever get that. I think you know. Yeah, I'm an of- I'm an expert at bad relationships, actually myself. Um, but now I found my match, and I'm happy to say you found yours. Lindsay's a great, great gal. So that brings you to where you are today. Now you're you're 33. A young dad, you know, you're working, you're in a band, you uh, got things going on, you want to, you have other things you want to do and aspirations. So, and we'll talk about some of those a little bit later. I'm going to get into some of the standard questions that I'm asking everybody. This next question is, who were your mentors in life and what did you learn from them that has helped you the most? Okay, well... I'll have to plug somebody here, uh, Alf Herigstead. You might know when he's got a podcast. <laughs> um, I mean, there's there's probably the three main people in my life that were mentors for me, and uh, you obviously being one of them, and uh, my grandmother and my grandfather. And I'm, I mean, just other than that, I mean, I, I do kind of tend to help people, like friends and, and stuff with, with things and almost fall into a mentor role sometimes I feel myself the people that have taught me how to really kind of be a better person is is the those three and um kind of like you with you've always given me real good sense of logic I guess when I had during during my younger life there was a time you know there wasn't a lot of logical things happening you know and uh 
but you're kind of that um, anchor, so to speak, in in that sense. And uh, and you always taught me that knowledge was important, and it was super interesting to me. And I uh, and of course emu- wanted to emulate you, and so that's kind of sent me on a path of trying to be as intellectual as possible. And I think that's really helped me as far as being a better person and being a better man because of uh, empathy and perspective and uh the more you know about the world around you and the more you know about everything the better you are at uh you know just doing the correct things opposed to doing the wrong things yeah well it makes just navigating life a bit easier when you have a clear vision of the obstacles in front of you right yeah having sight is much better than not having sight (laughs) when you're going through an obstacle course and then my grandmother She's kind of fostered the humanist in me uh, as far as just caring for others and um, compassion and just uh, knowing that helping other people will always benefit you, you know, in most cases, I think. And and then my grandfather, he he's, you know, one of the best men I've ever known. Me and, too. Uh, and just kind of stoic, doesn't really say a whole lot, but when he says something that it it makes up for all the things he doesn't say, and and well, he can say things to you without even saying things. Yeah, sometimes. that's that's my that's my idea of him. You know, he was my dad, and and you're talking about my parents, my mom and dad, and uh, my mom taught both of us by speaking to us and telling us things, and you know, giving us practical examples. Whereas dad or your grandpa he taught us really with his example he just lived his life i don't even know if he was trying to teach us anything but he's such a good man that we naturally wanted to emulate him mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's pretty much what i was trying to say there <laughs> so well those are uh good answers and good lessons now this this next one is a two-part question so as you look back on your on your life what would you say is the biggest challenge or challenges that you have faced while trying to be a better man? Well, I guess uh, just things that I didn't know, like the lack of knowledge, and uh, which leads to a lack of understanding, lack of perspective, and uh, just that improves obviously as you go on in life. Because uh, if you if you look for knowledge and try to soak things up and and as you go things can be kind of illuminated that you have certain aha moments again that can change your point of view and um lack of motivation i guess has been a a huge challenge for me it's in in certain times of my life and i think you know that that's a a definite part of time management too that i've uh had issues with that and and then and then video games one of my (laughs) biggest vices i just can't Uh, get enough of them so so i still i still love video games but i i don't do the you know 48 hour binge anymore like i have in the past and i think you know so happy it can really it can really that that's another thing too it can just it it's like taking your life and just kind of dumping it, dumping it down a black hole, and then it kind of shrinks to oblivion, and then it's gone. You know? Yeah, well, <laughs> so. because it doesn't produce anything in your life. No, no. you know, just and, amusement, really. And, and that's and for I mean, some other people, it might be you know watching sports, like spending every right. Sunday all day watching sports. <clears throat> I've got nothing so now, against I got nothing against sports, but 
you know, there's a whole world out here that you can actually be getting things done in. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. And <laughs> and I and I still play video games, but on a on a scale that that the old me would have said, "Are you serious? Like that's it?" <laughs> but, uh, does that and make just you... scheduling it? I schedule it now. So just does that make your from... wife happy? Well, yeah. I mean, she she, she actually started too. playing gaming with me just yeah. to you know. I don't know if it was initially might have been you know to get some time with me, or <laughs> but I think it was, I kind of stopped so much that now she doesn't really do it either. You know, so. I think you're speaking to a lot of guys in your age bracket as far as distractions, the electronic distractions of today. Right. Um, I didn't have, you know, that when I was your age. And my, I think my generation's one of the last generations that were kind of on that, in that twilight zone of being the old generation and the new generation kind of mixed together, like the. Yeah, because uh, video games <coughs> really they got popular during your life. Right. And yeah. got better and better. <laughs> yeah. And now kids that, I mean, kids that were at first having memories of, you know, the, the latest games and that, I don't know, that I've, it seems like that's definitely more appealing to a lot of the kids. And it's, it is a sad thing when you think about just the childhoods that are just being wasted, dropped into a screen and oh. lost. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I know some gamers get real defensive when you talk negatively about gaming, but wow, from my perspective, it's such a, just such a time suck, you know? I mean, and what is your life? It's really time. I mean, we're only here for a, a while. If you add up all the hours that you just waste doing something like that. And it is kind of one of those things like, like uh, you know, smoking cigarettes or something, and you think, you know, ah... What's it gonna What's it gonna matter? And then And then later on, when it does matter, and you're like, you look back, you're like, oh well, I spent half of my youth just inside on me. But, um, not to go off on a tangent with that, because I I still do. I love video games still, but it's uh, it's like anything like that. I think if it's really good, but it doesn't really produce anything, then you have to definitely use it in moderation or it well this the second part of this question is how do you or how did you overcome these challenges well like scheduling and uh kind of I've, I've got things that i'm doing outside of you know work and and family life so i've got to kind of schedule it throughout the week and 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 when you have your entire week planned out it does kind of go by faster almost so or I'm just getting older, I guess that too. I've uh, learned a lot since I was younger. I think just kind of accumulating knowledge and uh, having a better sense of empathy and and, uh, and being uh, less presuppositions about things. Uh, I'm going to stick on this question just for a minute and try to fine-tune it a little bit. And there's no right or wrong answer, but looking at yourself, like you're looking in the mirror at yourself, is there some part of your character that has been a particular challenge for you you said you kind of lacked ambition or motivation for a while would that be it or is there anything else that has stood in your way of of being a better man or that you still struggle with having motivation is is kind of one of those things like chasing the dragon almost where you're you're constantly you you either constantly feed it or or it's going it's dying you know so uh just having having motivation to be prolific, I guess, is 
is a struggle that I have sometimes, uh, just because leisure is so enticing, I guess. <laughs> well, fighting leisure, I guess, to be more productive in my life and accomplish things while I have time on Earth, I guess, is one of the things that I think everybody really that's kind of what it boils down to the game of life you know so what you're talking about is that that moment in time when you actually pick your butt up off the couch right yeah i think a lot of people uh struggle with that i certainly have myself as well from time to time it is it's human nature but uh it is you need leisure and and you need time for leisure but and that's the whole thing about scheduling and the kind of thing that i've i've learned as as uh as you go along there that and from people like, you know like pat flynn and and stuff like that where you have to set time for leisure and you have to set time for work and the more those get muddled the more you have uh, or the the less time for either you have really i guess yeah well, that's, you, that's really good advice. Little area of kind of productive, kind of not productive, kind of leisure, kind of work, where you don't get anything done at all, and you don't have fun doing it. <laughs> yeah, and and you feel like when you are doing it, it's it's a chore now because you really want to be doing something else. No, I I think that's really good advice. Is scheduling, planning your life, living your life by design rather than just letting life happen to you. I think that's a real key thing in being a better man or being a better person or whatever, is uh, live your life, design your life, and live it that way. Just a, a little intention, but then, you know, when you relax, just really relax and don't worry about the other stuff. Yeah, and don't feel guilty when you do something don't fun. Feel, yeah, because when, you're, when, you're, when you know you're supposed to be working, but you're doing something that's fun, it's not really fun because the whole time <laughs> right. you're like, Ah, I should be doing something else. I know. Like, there was a few times in the past where I've gone fishing, and the whole time I was thinking about all the other stuff I should be doing. That's yeah. not what fishing's all about. That's like that's like chastising yourself. You just start whipping yourself in the back. <laughs> yeah, and, and so your remedy for that is really a good one, is schedule time for funds, time for work, time for, you know, improving your life in some way. Yeah. Okay, uh, moving on. Next question is, from day to day in your life, what is the single biggest driving force that does motivate you to want to be a better man today than you were yesterday? I think uh, just family, really. is. Yeah. Family is probably the biggest thing, because without family, then I think you're just really a person, and that's... <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, and uh, bettering our life, bettering the life of my family, and and also now reuniting with my family in Washington. I I moved out to Michigan and out here to Traverse City, and it's a beautiful place. But it doesn't have my family here, so I've got to try to work towards that and uh, to better humanity in in a larger scale, I guess. Because I think wanting a better life for your family is just a small scale version of wanting a better life for humanity. Well, that's where it starts. Imagine if everybody was really motivated by their family. Imagine if everybody was, then the whole world would be better, right? Right. <laughs> it, it seems to have good logic there. So. <laughs> but what we have immediate control over is our life right. and, and what we do as men from moment to moment. And I agree with you. Family is a huge motivator. I remember the years when I was uh, single... I was happy as a clam. I was just doing whatever I want, but I wasn't moving ahead. 
at the time I didn't have any good reason to move ahead. I was I was happy as you know, I was having fun and everything, but well and there's a, a lot of guys listening, you know, they're still in that single place. Maybe they don't have a people they're responsible for or, you know, that type of family that they want to improve their life. So what would you say to them, those guys that are on their own? Right. What's going to motivate these guys? Is it the prospect of the family they will have? Well, I think um, that that could not always work out, and that wouldn't be something good to uh, to really look towards. Because you, you, you have to respect yourself, and you have to think of yourself as uh, an important thing. Well, I, and I guess on the on the larger scale there that I was talking about to better humanity and themselves first, being part of humanity. Because I, I think. If you aren't happy with yourself, then it's going to be really hard for you to be happy with anyone else. And if you're not motivated by like your own personal success or uh, or you don't have a fa- an immediate family to to be striving for, then I think then you might just need to work on yourself and or maybe your friends just be, have good friends because I know my my network of friends was a lot larger when I was single and and as you settle down and put roots in the ground with a family there's definitely some fat you have to trim because not everybody cuts it once you have a family because you can have some friends that are totally acceptable when it's just you and your other friends but obviously when you've got your little kids around and they're in your wife uh, some people are the opposite of the people that you want around <laughs> yeah well and i think also there's uh it doesn't happen naturally to everyone but there's that moment when you can be motivated by just the fact at the end of the day when you realize you're a better man than you were the day before it's a good feeling it's like growing up on a farm you know, you go out and you work hard all day doing some menial task. You come back at the end of the day and it feels kind of good because you, you know that you worked hard and you got something done and you kept up with everybody else and it feels good. So, I mean, there is a reward for, for being a good guy. For yeah. Being, yeah. I'd agree with that. <laughs> now, here's a hypothetical question for you. If you could go back in time and spend five minutes with yourself... What age would you go back to? What would you say to yourself, and why? Well, if I only had five minutes, and five I five minutes wasn't able to like go back and relive it, just five minutes, like popping in, popping out. Hey, you need to hear this. I gotta go. Yeah, you've got a critical <laughs> message to deliver to yourself. Right, yeah. Okay. What age would you go to? Well. I guess I would go to when I was 19 because I think that's probably a time that I would have needed the most advice and might be old enough to listen to it and and maybe it would take at that age. Otherwise, I would go a lot earlier. And <laughs> but uh, as uh, the idea, you know, the obvious financial advice of you know the the pitfalls that young people make when they are being preyed upon by predatory loans and and you know credit cards and you know all the horrible mistakes that people make and and i would have even told myself not to go back to school again just i mean the just the debt that that you incur from that doesn't always pay out but and then there's other ways to gain knowledge but i would also you know basically talk about all the stuff we're talking about right now i guess uh to kind of give myself a an enhanced you know sped up version but but again i think you know it 
assuming it would take because I think I would just be saying regurgitating the things that my parents and grandparents have told me my whole life because uh, it's kind of hard to take advice as it is to experience advice. So if you know, if I was able to whisk away my 19-year-old self and show him the woes of of making the wrong choices, then that would definitely be much more effective. But right. I. <laughs> right. But but I mean that's kind of what I would the gist of what I'd give him and hopefully I would have the the speaking skills to do that in 5 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but if you came back to yourself, you'd probably listen to yourself like, "Wow, that's me. I better pay attention." Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean that's probably the one thing that would it would be you know, pretty effective. <laughs> yeah, and it's a and it's hypothetical. It's not going to yeah, happen. Yeah, it's hi- it's hypothetical. But, right, right. But I mean, uh, wait a second. It's not going to happen. Nope. Nope. <laughs> no, Sorry. Yeah. Didn't mean to get your hopes up. But yeah. uh, but the reason I ask that is it's kind of telling. What would we tell ourselves? What would there's wisdom in those messages that people would tell themselves if they had the opportunity to? And oftentimes the same messages we would tell our former self apply to our current self. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know. Like, and I guess that's kind of what what you're professing here is that you know you can always make improvements on yourself and the things that you do and how you how you, how you see the world. I guess uh, that. Yeah, that's kind of what you know. Being a better man is all about is perpetual improvement. We're never going to be done improving if we continue trying to improve. And five years from now, I'll be a a lot smarter and a lot better at things than I am right now. And so will you, if that's what we focus on. The things we focus on expand. If we focus on improving as men, then we'll, we'll improve. And that's where the motivation comes in, because it never stops. So you have to constantly be feeding the fire. And that can be exhausting sometimes, but I think, yeah, definitely divvying it up properly makes that a lot less daunting. Yeah, and if you are making being a better man a goal of your life, to actually be a better man every day, then it becomes more difficult to just sit on the couch and play video games. Right. Because you know, wow, I've got a goal here, I'm not doing anything about it. It's finite, so that... That's a big motivator. Yeah. Uh, you don't have forever, you know, to That's do right. the things that you want to do. And at some point, a lot of the things that you want to do, you won't be able to do because it'll be too late or you'll be too old or you'll be without the, the means to do so. I mean, And one mistake a lot of people make is they'll do really good one day and they feel better about their self and then they don't do anything for four weeks after that. You know, it's a daily thing. You have to wake up every day and recommit yourself to moving your life forward and being a better man what do you like most about being a man well i guess i guess having an impact on others as a man i get to be the man in my house and the father of my children and the husband to my wife so those are really the only things anymore uh and everything kind of you know takes a back seat to that and and everything else in my life kind of revolves around it and everything you do those things get put into the equation and you know part of every decision you make that's probably the best thing about being a man for me yeah i i hear you and being a man we have an impact on our environment and that's not to say that women don't have an impact on their environment of course they do but it's it's uh, expressed a bit differently i think we well people in general we have the power to change the world around us and we have a lot more power than we think we do. We just have to use it. And I, and I think that uh, 
as men, we've been historically in a in a uh, authoritative position, and as time progresses and and humans progress civilly, it's a it's a responsibility as a man to empathize with the women of the world and and with the world as a whole, not just you know women, but other ethnicities, other lifestyles, religions. Everything you have to think of people as people because that's what they are. So, um, no matter what label you put on people, and and in conversations you get about you know politics, you 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 know you're a Republican, you're a Democrat, Libertarian, Communist, whatever. Those are labels, just like a lot of you know religious labels. When you break it down, a lot of the people think the same way. I think they just the walls that labels put up. And the boxes that it puts people in makes it hard for people to even see through them because they're glass boxes that people are put in, but they're just the the right shade to where you can't see through them. And I think um, people just need to put on the right pair of glasses so that that just kind of goes away and we can see people for people. So wait a minute. Did you say people are people? (laughs) Weird. It it is (laughs) true. And that's a problem, I think, with all the knowledge and all the all of the technology, the internet, connecting the world. Now the world is seeing the other side of the world every day and people are freaking out and they don't understand the other cultures and, and the, the ways of life. And then you see all the turmoil too. So, I mean, uh, the connection of the internet has really changed everyone's view of the world, I well, think, and the, that will just continue. The world has gotten a lot smaller. It's tiny now. It's, yeah, it's teensy. And and I talk about that in one of my blogs. Regardless of where you're from, I mean, all men have certain things in common. We're adult male human beings with certain responsibilities and certain obligations to ourselves, our communities, and our families. And mm-hmm. it doesn't matter where you come from. You still have that. That's what men have in common. Mm-hmm. We're almost out of time here, but I got one more for you. If you were to condense all of your experience Experience and wisdom into a single sentence to help inspire the listeners of this show, what would it be? I think it'd just kind of be the golden rule, just modified slightly. They'll do unto others as you would have them do unto you, but from their perspective as well and with as little presuppositions as possible so that you can really see it from their eyes and, and, and treat people as though they're your family. Could you define presupposition for those listeners in Tenino, Washington? <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, well, the the idea is everyone has a worldview, and the worldview that they have is based on their religion and their upbringing, their environment, their culture. And these things are deeply ingrained into your psyche, and once that happens, it's very difficult to to not look at things through these you know, tinted glasses of, and I say tinted glass because you're looking through things with that perspective. So if you could take those glasses off and put somebody else's glasses on, you know, the world would be vastly different, I think. You're very philosophical. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, (laughs) I know. You inherited it. Well, that's about all the time we have today, but thank you, Clinton, for being on the show. I'm proud of you. Welcome. I'm proud of you, too. I'm proud of you, and I love you. I love you, too, Dan. And you are my... Good son. That about wraps it up. Well, thanks for having me on your show. It has been my pleasure. Oh, real quick. Um, you've got some things in the works. Do you want to talk about those? Sure, yeah. Uh, 
I've been writing a book for a couple of years, so that's that's uh, something I've been working on. I'm still trying to finish that one up, but I've got a I've got a Facebook page for it. It's called uh, Welcome to Legion. Um, that's I'm still working on that, and once it's finished, I'll I'm going to start looking into publishing ideas. Uh, and I'm I've, also I've read some of that, and it's a very good book if you like the horror genre. It is a horror novel, yeah. Um, <clears throat> And I'm actually uh, going to start working on getting a podcast together, uh, a debate podcast, actually, where I will have a format uh, working with regular people, debating regular people. You know, that's it's kind of in the conceptual stage right now. So. Will you be debating them about uh, uh, religion, politics, what? Um, everything. A little bit um, of everything? It's, the current format I plan to do there was, uh, you know, on a monthly rotation of topic and and then at the end of the month after i kind of moderate i will try to take on a professional in that field okay. and uh of, of, of an opposing view that i have and maybe i'll even be swayed from the beginning of the month to the end of the month on what position i take so okay. that's kind cool. of the plan currently that's well, a when, tentative idea anyway. when you get those uh, up and rolling maybe i'll have you back on the uh podcast and uh we can tell people about it <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. Well, that'll be good. All right, man. Thanks again. I'll talk to you later. Good talking to you, Dad. I'll you talk too. to you soon. Okay. Bye. Love you, Dad. So that was Clinton Herrickstad, my good son. Really glad he was able to be on the show. And he was, he is the living, breathing example of my life. He's the culmination of... All my children are. They are the, the sum total of everything I've done up to this point. I got divorced when they were like 7 and 9 and 12, and a couple bad years went by. And then <clears throat> I fought for and got custody of them and raised them myself until they all left home. So I had a special, unique relationship with my kids. I really missed them a lot. They're all coming out here in April, really looking forward to that, his whole family. You know, that is what being a better man, that's what this program is about. If I died right now, if I just keeled over dead, I'm living on in that young man that was just on the show with me. And I'm living on in his children and in their children. That's the legacy of trying to be a better man. Now I'm going to remind you all to head on over to iTunes, rate and review the show if you believe it has value. You can also subscribe and what that does makes it more convenient for you to download new shows and not miss anything. And it'll help build the community of men. The more men that are exposed to the concept of being a better man, the better the world will be. One man at a time. So until next time, just go out there, find something that you can improve, and be a better man today than you were yesterday. This is Alf Herrickstad signing out.